class through that door over there. Parents, if you want the things of the Lord put on their level. Our scripture text this morning is from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 13 to 17. Why are we here? I'm beginning a new series for the summer, July and August, called From Eternity to Eternity, How God Claims and Keeps You. For those of you who are theologian types, we're going to explore what is called the Ordo Salutis, the order of salvation, the specific acts of God that originate in eternity when he chose you in Christ, all the way through time in your life till he gets you to his presence in heaven, glorification. We're going to explore those out of this text. Essentially, the text is a simple prayer, verses 16 and 17, preceded by a breathtaking uh, preface. Verses 13 to 15 just pop with theological richness. So it's going to take all summer to explore some of the themes in these verses. Here's what Paul writes because he has the word of God in his mouth and to give and show you the love of God. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers. Beloved by the Lord, because God chose you from the beginning, or as the first fruits, to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm. And hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. And here's his prayer. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good Work and word. I have a new app on my cell phone. It's called My Radar. I saw it on my son's cell phone over the weekend. Touch it, and up pops all the storms in the area. Very useful last night, right? We had some thunder boomers come through the area. You're looking at the radar. Okay, it's safe now to go out for a walk, honey. Great little app. This is a text for people staring down thunderstorms. Not the summer pop-up that comes and goes, but storms band after band after band. And what do you want in a storm? You want comfort and protection. You want the thing you experience in a very secure dwelling, looking at your app, seeing how severe the storms are, feeling secure there. This text is a well-constructed dwelling meant to give your heart comfort. God wants to give you comfort. Isn't that the point of the text? Look at verse 17. Now, may the God who gave us eternal comfort... 
Comfort your hearts. So I think if there's any place in the Bible to find comfort, this is going to be it. What is comfort? The original Greek word is a compound that means called alongside. That tells you that this supernatural grace of God we call comfort is an assurance that God is present alongside you. Providing, protecting, performing a perfect plan for your life to give your spirit confidence, peace, comfort. It's supernatural, beloved. It's the work of the Spirit of God in you, freeing you to stare down the storms of financial stress, relational stress, occupational uncertainty, fears, health issues, giving you the grace to stare down those storms with confidence that even though you may not get exactly the relief you're desiring, you are sure you're not alone. You're sure this is not pointless, you're not vulnerable, you're not hopeless, you're not without resources. Comfort. So let's just summarize this prayer in a very simple sentence, and this is how we'll unpack the sermon today. God comforts you in the storm as you stand firm in the truth for an overflow of goodness. Those are the three points that are right there in the text. God comforts you in the storm as you stand firm in the truth for an overflow of goodness. Number one. God comforts you in the storm. Years ago, my folks uh, treated us to a, a dinner at a very uh, nice seafood buffet in Williamsburg, Virginia, and I'd never seen service like this. There's a crumb on your table. Somebody comes over. You know, your water gets down about an inch. They're there to fill it. You get up to go to the buffet. You come back. Clean silverware. You get the littlest frown on your face. They're there to say, is everything okay? They're intensely interested in your welfare. How much more the God of all comfort? We'll see a text from 2 Corinthians 1 later in the sermon. God presents himself to you as the God of all comfort. All you need all the time. God is interested intensely in the details of the welfare of your precious soul. Did you notice from the call to worship from Psalm 147? He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Now, is that the first thing you'd think about God when somebody says, what is God like? He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Your father had a son who was brokenhearted beyond anything you've ever experienced. Your father had a son wounded beyond anything any of us have ever experienced. Oh, how our father knows how to care for his precious children. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up. You just want to think about that for hours, don't you? What are the storms specific to the church in Thessalonica? Well, outward trials. The moment they became followers of Jesus, their co-workers, their neighbors, their acquaintances, 
started hating them and hurting them. They were persecuted for loving Jesus. Outward trials. Inward trials due to bad doctrine. We saw back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul says, I don't want you grieving as those who have no hope. There was a teaching going that if your loved ones died before the second coming, they missed out. Bad doctrine, sorrow, grief, unnecessary. That was a trial for them. And then there was an upward fear. Paul alludes in, uh, in uh, um, the earlier part of this chapter, chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians, that there's a deceptive teaching going on that the second coming had already happened and you missed it. So there's all kinds of inward and outward turmoil. All related to what for them specifically? Because they belong to Jesus. The Christian life is not a promise of a pain-free existence. Salvation doesn't come with a everything is going to be rosy now card. In fact, we're promised to struggle outwardly and inwardly. The point is God knows how to comfort his own. So back to the radar. Here's the radar. The storms are going across the area. What is flashing at the bottom of the screen? As the bands of trouble are coming through your life, what's flashing across the bottom of the screen? This. Yes, but not. Here come the storms of trial. What's flashing across the bottom of the stream? Yes, but not. Yes, this is hard, but not unbearable. Yes, my body is weak and frail, but I am not without the power of God. The classic yes, but not text of the New Testament I've given you in the outline, 2 Corinthians 4. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. What's the treasure? It's the knowledge of the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What a treasure. The gospel, grace, Jesus. We have this treasure in jars of clay. That's our weak, frail bodies. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Christianity is the only religion in the world that doesn't allow anyone to boast about anything about themselves. It's all God. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us and life in you. Skipping to verse 14. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Oh, there's so much we could say about this. I just want to point this out from verse 14 and 15. Everything about earth history and your life is resurrection. It's all moving to resurrection. 
That's what Paul's saying. He who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. This is what God is doing. Resurrecting a people to be with his resurrected son to, for Jesus to enjoy as his brothers and sisters forever. That's where everything is going, resurrection. Never forget that. That's what God is doing, raising the dead. <laughs> That's our hope. The certain confidence God will raise us and give us to Jesus and to one another. But notice how he says what's happening in the meantime, verse 15. For it's all for your sake. This is the principle of ministry. We minister for the sake of people. We die so you can live. Death to us, life to you. It's all for your sake so that as grace extends to more and more people, what's he saying? What is that grace? That grace is the power of God given to people in their adversity. And so where people are in adversity, they're, they're perplexed, they're sorrowful, they're in anguish, whatever it is, God comes in this power. God's grace comes, and grace is spreading. What happens when grace is spreading? People are giving thanks. Ultimately, to what end? Look at the verse. To the glory of God. Grace brings the fruit of gratitude, brings glory to God. Let's say more about that. The point is, our lives model the ministry of Jesus. Jesus died to bring us life. We die to bring others life. Jesus was scorned to comfort us. We are scorned to bring comfort to others. Now, implied in this but not explicitly said is this warning. You and I are easily tempted to find false, quick, and easy comforts for our souls when we're hurting that actually end up inflicting more harm on us. Typically, what do we use to comfort ourselves? Pleasure. We intuitively know when I'm in pain, the antidote to, the antidote to pain is pleasure. Biblically, the antidote to pain is the Prince of Peace. It's a person. And we have powerful pleasures at our disposal. Sensuality, drugs, alcohol, consumerism, sleep, food. We get endorphins from good, strong exercise. There's nothing wrong with exercise itself, nothing wrong with food itself, nothing wrong with alcohol itself. Some of you use people. Nothing wrong with relationship itself. But when that is the primary thing you're using to ease pain in your soul, you are worse off for having used it. Only the Prince of Peace, a person, Jesus, is big enough, wise enough, strong enough, loving enough to help you in your sorrows. All those things, they never love you in your sorrows because when you've used them and they're gone the next morning, you need them again. They keep you enslaved to it. Jesus, the person, the Prince of Peace, actually sets you free to enjoy him in the midst of your sorrows. That's the first point. God comforts you in the storm. Number two, as you stand firm in the truth. So what's one way God allows you to withstand the thunderstorms as they're coming? It's that he gives you stability and firm standing in verse 15, holding to the traditions you were taught by us or written to you. What is that? 
That's the apostolic witness to the life and ministry of Jesus. It's the Word of God. Translated only as Jesus reveals himself to you in his word, do you get big enough pictures to withstand trial, temptation, sorrow, agony. Only when you, in his word do you get a, the sense that Jesus desires and is powerful and knows how to comfort you. Never look at your life without looking at the whole. This is why this text takes you back into eternity when God chose you. It takes you forward into eternity when you'll be in glory with Jesus. Paul is saying, and this works personal comfort for me, I'll tell you. When I come to the doctrine of election, I'm very, now I'm going to take two weeks next time to unpack that. Two weeks on the doctrine of election. That's coming. If you don't know what that is, you don't like that doctrine, I'm going to get two weeks, the next two weeks. But when I, when I think about that I am the work of God from eternity to eternity, that really brings me comfort. You should say to the person sitting next to you, go ahead and turn and say, you're a trophy of God's grace, the work of God from eternity to eternity. Just say that to the person on your right. You're the work of God from eternity to eternity. Now to the person on your left, you're a trophy of the grace of God. Well done. Well done. Let me illustrate how Powerful this was in my own sadness. For 70 years, my mother was the picture of health. She said the only time she'd been in the hospital was to give birth to three boys. She actually came to faith in Northern Virginia through the ministry of community Bible studies. How many of you are involved in community Bible study? I know Melanie is, some of you. So I praise God. She was the first one in our family to get the gospel and the Word of God through community Bible study. She, in the fall of 2000, she was diagnosed with cancer. She went to be with the Lord four months later. It was really quick. We were in Texas at the time. Lots of tears, lots of sorrow. But she told me during that four-month period, she said, when she was with the doctor and my father, and the doctor showed her the x-ray. There's the tumor. She said, the Lord put his hand on my heart and gave me peace. She died in peace. We don't even think we knew she was dying because it would have killed her to see people around her suffering, watching her die. But what, by the way, was she memorizing in her spare time? Romans chapter 8, committing the whole thing to memory. My point is, I think there's a connection between the supernatural kindness of God to fill my mother's heart with peace, struggling with terminal cancer, and the ministry of God's word to her. God comforts you in the storm as you stand firm in the truth. Finally, for an overflow of goodness. In a sense, it's what, how, and now why. Jesus has at least two agendas when he comforts you. Number one, to reveal himself to you. In the comfort you receive, you go, you're faithful. 
you're gentle. You're highly empathetic. You love me. Jesus reveals himself to you. Secondly, Jesus uses the comfort he gives you so that you can bless others with that comfort. Look at verse 17, the prayer. May he comfort your hearts, period. In other words, that's the end. The goal is just comfort. Is is that where the period is? It isn't. What does Paul continue to write? He comforts your hearts and establishes them in every good work and word. That means your whole life, good work and word. The totality of your whole life. Do you see, in the economy of God, comfort isn't a cul-de-sac. It's not a dead end. It is a commodity, a collateral that God gives you for the benefit of other people. It actually hasn't done all its work until you've been comforted and other people then are comforted with the comfort you have. Here's the guarantee of that. Jesus Christ became the most uncomfortable person ever to live in his suffering and at his cross. There was no comfort for Jesus. Friends deserted him, father forsaking him, bearing the shame, the agony, the penalty due our sins. He was totally without comfort. And in effect, Jesus at that moment dying for you, paying the death penalty you deserved. At that moment, the Father turned on a huge spigot gushing with grace. And as Jesus is dying, the, 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 the spigot handle was knocked off, meaning you can never stop the flow of grace. You can't turn it off. You can't become undeserving of the comfort God wants to give you through his son. It is flowing irrepressibly. Can't stop it. And Jesus is effectively saying, I died to buy that for you, and I'm going to use it for you. It's greater than your sin. It's greater than your unbelief. It's greater than your foible. It's greater than your sickness. It's greater than everything. His grace is abundant. It is sufficient. It is personal, designed exactly as you need it. And the point is, it's bouncy. And that is when you experience that irrepressibly flow of grace, it is designed to come in and to comfort you but not stay there. It is designed for you to show that comfort as God gives opportunity to other people. It's bouncy. Now, the classic text in the New Testament for that is 2 Corinthians 1, beginning at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Just camp there for a while. Let it soak in. Let it change you. Let it inform your thinking. Let it soothe your soul. The Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. It's tangible. It's, it's invisible, but it's supernatural and it's tangible. 
For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we're afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. And if we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. We know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. See what Paul is saying? Comfort is like a sponge. God, from that irrepressible flow purchased at his cross, a flow of grace, it fills you, and it's meant for you then to ring out on somebody else, to be comfort. So that means you're asking, Lord, who in my life needs the comfort with which I have been comforted? Ring it out, and guess what? It'll multiply like the loaves and the fish on the hillside. There's ample amounts. It also, finally, this comfort functions like a compass. It points to true north, meaning it points you to every good work and every good word. The comfort you received raises this question you're never not asking. Lord, how can my words and actions bring other people that which will build them up, bless them, benefit them, make them better off, and bring them bounty. Because that's Jesus' disposition to you without fail. The spigot is off. The grace is gushing. The comfort is sufficient. Lord, ring me out on needy people. Let's pray. God of all comfort, Father of mercies, oh, to consider the cost to bring us these graces. Jesus in agony, forsaken, lonely, physical, emotional, spiritual, torture. Lord, you've purchased it you want to use it, it's irrepressible, it's inestimable, 